Welcome, welcome. Today is day nine, and this is blog number five. Blog number four is going to be available on the blog, femalesex.blogspot.com, and also on Spotify and Anchor, but you have to go to the blog to get to that, unless you do kind of a search on the internet. So shout out to the gods. First, let me give up a little bit of info here. Email is thefemalesex at gmail.com. If you want to be added to the reading list, to the blog reading list, you can send me an email with add me to the reading list in the subject line, and I will send you an invite to read the blog and to access previous podcasts and videos. All right, and the Instagram... TV or the little video journals will be available on the Instagram TV only. I see that YouTube is offering a membership to or the membership program to channels with less than it was 30,000 subscribers and I'm not at 30,000 subscribers. So they've, um, you know, they, they let me know that they're offering the membership and whatever, that I can have people join membership. But I'm not sure what I'm doing with YouTube yet. I'm going to leave YouTube alone. I'm going to come on to do these little podcasts, uh, to post a podcast here for nine days and to let you know that one is up for those who don't know yet about the blog. But as far as YouTube goes, I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to use YouTube in the future. For now, let me start with... Uh, a message for the gods as far as this podcast is concerned this podcast is the awakening past present and future and so i want to start off with a message to the gods and as i've said before all is the god and the god is all all is in order and order is chaos so chaos is required in order to get things in order and so gods are aware of that, but, 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 however, faking godhood can lead to depression, actually, and psychosis, okay? You can't do too much. You, no one is asking you to pretend. No one asking you to be a god. A god is someone who recognizes their place in the chaos. We are all chaotic, you know, just the law of physics, the law of uh, thermodynamics, just the law of nature, just requires that chaos is necessary in order to create order that nature is more uh, that nature prefers chaos and change and changes chaos so it's not a bad word chaos but um you know it takes a lot of inner work to become a god and to be able to see yourself first for who you are and then to be able to understand the world because when we understand ourselves from deep within it'll give us more perspective on how other humans are or how other humans behave because we are pretty much 
the same. We are a lot alike. And I'm finding that people are very much a lot alike. And that's why it's been so easy to control people. The people who are puppeting everything now, it's so easy for them to puppet. Of course, you can't fool everyone all the time. You can't fool all the people. But they've succeeded in fooling quite a lot of people. A lot of people are falling for the race play and a lot of people are falling for the political play. And then we have the fear play, the fear based trauma going on in the media and the media and the social media, digital media is being used right now to program people. Even down to your cell phones, if we're not talking about social media, just a little notification is going to get you moving in a certain direction, okay? So if people were not so much alike, then they would not be so easy to control using the exact same tactics, okay? So I'm not asking anyone to pretend to be a god. If you haven't recognized your god power yet, there is nothing wrong with that. Take the time to do the inner work to get to know yourself. I've gone through the dark and through the dirt. I've been pulled through it all, okay? I've gone through every... I've talked about that already in um, in a previous video of what uh, all of the things I've been through. I've talked about it ad nauseum <laughs> on the Female Sex channel on YouTube if you want to go back into the archives, okay? But I've been through it all. There's not an experience on the face of the earth that I have not ex that that I haven't you know dealt with personally. The only thing that hasn't happened yet is you know the final experience. <laughs> so that took a lot of healing from a lot of trauma and a lot of inner work to get to godhood. I'm not just going around saying I'm a god, and the reason I'm saying that is because I want to make it clear that no one is expected to be okay all the time right now in this climate no one i just wanted to make that clear before i move forward because i do not want anyone ever to listen to what i'm saying and think that oh i'm okay me tt james i'm okay and so shit she's she's doing all right then i need to hurry up and get my shit together what's wrong with me what's wrong with me you know i'm i'm not in the best place i'm not in the place where i know i am going to be but I'm also in a much, much better place than I was 10 years ago or even five or two years ago. All right. So it takes a lot of inner work, a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, inner reflection and um, healing and so on to get to Godhood, to finally be able to see things for what they are and to understand who you are personally. So I have to be careful with that. And, um, I also have to be aware of the fact that certain information is not for everyone because not everyone is ready. You know, everyone will be like, you know, clap, 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 honey, 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 you know, yeah, true facts, true facts, whatever. And they'll, you know, add a little surface level commentary thinking that or, or wanting to prove that they are, you know, enlightened or woke or whatever, you know, but that can do more harm than good. In the past, so let's start there with the awakening of the past. In the past, info was only accessible to a small few. Like enlightenment 
was a privilege. You know, it wasn't available to everyone. There were certain people who would travel to the Far East or to the Middle East or to Kemet and Egypt and other parts of Nubia and Africa or whatever to get certain types of information. And so they would get certain information from certain tribes. They would interpret it so that they can understand it. They would then rewrite the information according to how they understood it in English, and then they disseminate the information back to the same people that they got it from in the first place. Okay, so, and they're doing that. That happened more in the more recent past, we'll say. So in the distant past, enlightenment was only available to a small few. Not everybody was able to read. You know, not everyone was a scribe. Uh, writing was a great privilege and reading was a great privilege. But now everybody thinks they know how to read and write, you know. Even though they're just reading and writing in emojis, they think that it's it's deep. <laughs> so, you know, um, in the past, it was a privilege. And then in the more recent past, when certain people, and in this case, on the female sex, where we center the black woman, when certain Negroes were able to learn how to read and how to write, certain privileged Negroes were able to do that, they then started to write things the way they saw it and then disseminated that information back to the less fortunate Negroes. And this is the way that they were able to control people. So yes, people control people through reading and writing or by manipulating words. Now in the most recent past, we're, we're gonna talk about things that were happening in the past that people thought they were awakening to. You know, we thought that we were awakening to um, things regarding sex, race, and money, okay? Um, a lot of black women were feeling more empowered when the feminist movement, um, e even though black women um, and civil rights uh, existed long before the feminist movement existed, it was the feminist movement that was like a catalyst for black women to actually come out and to protest and to speak their mind publicly. So because white women who were more privileged was able to go into certain lands, into certain cultures, they were able to gather information from there and then reinterpret the information, repackage the information, and then sell it back to the blacks uh, of the West. Okay, And so black women were starting to feel like they were more empowered and more enlightened when it came to sexual issues. And also this happened with the race issues. You know, the, we already had tribes, as we've talked about before, we've already had tribes. We already had our own personal families. There wasn't this whole big group called black. But then, of course, white people needed to, or the European or the Westerner or whatever you want to call them, they needed to repackage that information, process it so that they can understand it. And then they created these things called races. They really compacted and simplified it into something called a race. And now they've repackaged it using writing and then sold it back to the people of many tribes. And now the people of those tribes actually see themselves as just black, see, see themselves um, according to how they are seen by Westerners or Europeans and so on. Now, the same can be said for money. Money is also something that was privilege. Money used to be resources, pretty much. People would trade resources. 
resources have value. Money doesn't really have value. But somehow the Europeans were able to create this thing called money that doesn't even exist. They were able to put value on it. And my guess is that the value was more in the European than it was in the money. Because this, there really is no money. But people trust the European or the Westerner. And so they became valuable. The, the ability to garner the trust of the people was most valuable. You know, a lot of darker people, when they see a European or a Westerner, a lighter skinned Westerner, they feel like they can be trusted more. And so they would trust their resources and trade actual tangible resources for people who came from the land of, of dirt and iron. They really had no resources. They had dirt, tree, iron, maybe some potatoes, you know, probably coal. They didn't have anything really to offer besides their trust. And people trusted them and trusted the information that they were giving. And so these people were able to actually take the resources and they continue to do it today, take the resources, valuable, tangible resources from the land of the brown or the black, and then they repackage it, possibly in this form of a cell phone and or other form of technology, and then they sell it back to these people who could very well have just made it themselves, okay? But people love and trust the European, uh, especially as black women. A lot of us uh, love and trust the European. I myself obviously love and trusted the European until I was able to clearly see them for, for what they are. And that's why I've come on to offer you intimate and intermit, inter, intimate <laughs> uh, perspective. And oh my good God, an intimate perspective of the European. Okay, it's not just a surface level thing. You know, I'm not coming on here as someone who's never had friendships and personal relationships and intimate relationships with these people. And I'm just talking based on what I see in the media or what other my, others might tell me. I've actually dealt with um, certain Europeans and Westerners or even um, brown people with a European mindset on a very personal, intimate level. And that's why I'm able to uh, use that privilege to share some of the information. But like I said, not everybody is ready for the information. And that's why a lot of people are angry or so quick and willing to reject it. So these people have repackaged the things like uh, repackaged culture, pretty much the cultures of the tribal people. They've repackaged it and now they've sold it back to the tribal people in the form of dopamine entertainment copyright trademark. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, they take this dopamine entertainment and they bombard the people with it. You know, they disseminate it now through this machine called the internet. And yes, I've decided, you know, I'm going to go on Blogger, but Blogger obviously is still controlled by Google. And it, Google pretty much controls the majority of the internet. The internet is a government, they all they always say that it's not centralized. You know, there's no one person policing the internet, but it is a system and a network that was designed by the US military. So they're obviously controlling it in some form. And it's why China um, bans certain social media sites and, and certain internet, you know, to use the, the US controlled 
internet because it is controlled by the um, United States government via the United States military and uh, educational institutions. Okay, so we kind of forget that sometimes and we think that we can just get on the internet and hide things on the internet. You know, I'm not, not going to go on YouTube, I'm going to go here. Well, it's all the internet, you know, and, and I'm aware of that. I get that, but you know, what can you do? They're now forcing us actually to use this thing and there is no one who's trying to create a whole other internet. Even though, anyway, that's not, I'm not going to go there. It's like I said, let's just keep it, uh, let's try, try to keep it simple because not all information is for everyone. Okay. So in the past, we heard people talking about, because of this whole race thing, you know, and sex thing, we heard men saying that women are taking all our jobs, you know, when women went out into the workforce. And then when immigrants came into the country, we would hear um, the whites, quote unquote, whites in the in North America or in the Western world talking about, well, the immigrants are stealing our jobs. And then later or now more in the recent past, but we heard in the last two years that even the American Negro is talking about well, the brown immigrants are stealing our jobs. And right now, in the present, we're hearing people talking about machines are stealing our jobs. And then, of course, in the future, people are going to be talking about, well, the robots and the AI cyborgs are stealing our jobs, you know, and then it, it, that'll be that for the humans. OK, that'll be the end of the human race, because that's what humans do. OK, humans complain and cry about everything they don't try to figure out a way to adapt before at the very beginning of the shutdown when i hadn't quite processed everything yet i was thinking you know these people are stealing our rights and they're forcing us to do this and that and blah blah and then eventually i started to realize well they're not really forcing us they haven't forced us when westerners force something they actually write it they write it in a decree in the form of a law or whatever and that never happened and so i realized well these people are not actually stealing anyone or taking away anyone's rights or violating anyone's rights you know we're giving up that control and so i became aware of that and now i'm becoming more and more aware that this is probably a good thing i love the fact that i can move around my city and there is not a whole bunch of nasty crowds around you know let me get back to that when i talk more about the present let me just finish up the past by saying that the other day i watched the movie called the butterfly fly effect the butterfly effect this had ashton kutcher in it and i watched it with my son uh last weekend i think and the Butterfly Effect is a movie about the chaos theory, and uh, the chaos theory is a little difficult for me to understand, but it just, to simplify it, it's like the slightest change can affect the entire trajectory of life. Like if I to decide that I'm going to go outside right now, I might bump into a person and something, we might have an interaction that's going to lead that person to do something else. But if I decide I'm going to stay in today then that interaction would never have happened. So it's like the slightest little change. If I decide I'm going to wake up at nine o'clock, I might see or do something that I might have missed had I woken up a little bit later in the day. So, you know, just the slightest change can make the 
like a, a large effect or the slightest change in either behavior or anything. What they said was the flap of a butterfly's wings can cause a tsunami in another country or something like that. But anyway, that's just a simple way to explain it. Now, the present in theory should cut us off from the past. After we watched the movie, we we're talking about whether or not it's even a good idea to remember the past. If we don't know the future and we're better off for it, because if we knew the future, we would probably want to change it. If we don't know the future for our own good, then shouldn't we ignore or forget the past for our own good? There's a reason why we don't keep all of our memories, because it would traumatize us if we remembered every single thing, if we remembered even the trauma and the pain of coming out of the womb. You know, who wants to remember all that? And if we were able to remember the safe, warm, safe, warm space of the womb, would we ever want to come out or we'd always regret being here in this cold world? And so sometimes I wonder if it, we would be better off if certain people were not writing down their version of history or their version of the past, their story. Okay, because... A lot of history has been rewritten by the people who want to control it. You, they write a certain story, they write a certain perspective, and by that way, they're able to control and manipulate the present and eventually the future. And so is it always necessary to remember history, especially written history? It's good to remember history if we can pass it down through story. But I'm starting to question whether it's a good idea to write history down rather than, you know, I what people do now with the video journals and the vlogs are a better way to remember history because that way you can see it. Even though, unfortunately, you know, we have things like deep fakes and technology that can obviously manipulate reality. But, you know, just the, it, just the question came up of whether or not it's a good idea. Pe people say, um, you know, if you don't know your past, you would be doomed to repeat it. But we're sitting right here. We know the past. We can see what the past is. We read about the past all the time. People have walls of books about the past. And yet here we are continuing to repeat it. As Candace Owens came out last week and started talking randomly about black on black crime, black people were missing the fact that Donald Trump said he was deploying the military and that the military was going to be administering these uh, vaccines that were going to be pre-filled uh, pre injection needles or pre-filled needles of this vaccine that supposedly doesn't even exist right now. He's going to deploy the military in order to force these vaccines on every American. And instead of the Americans looking at the fact that they've, there are, they are an experiment, and I know a lot of my listeners on YouTube are, are from the U.S., and they don't realize that America has always been an experiment on the global stage. The United States and the New World is the experiment for how the rest of the world was supposed to be. The United States and the discovery of the New World was the beginning of what is known as the New World Order. So it, it was like a testing ground. And that's why the United States is like theater. And so a lot happens there first. And then they'll send it to the rest of the world. 
And, and I'm talking about on a social level. Of course, the technology happens elsewhere. And we're going to talk about that actually right now when we come back to talk about the present, what we're witnessing right now, and more like the future president within the next, uh, within 2020, we'll say that, for 2020 for the next four years or five years. So let's take a little break and then we'll talk about the awakening the present awakening. Welcome back. Just before a little pause, we're talking about the past awakening, which is where the common people were awakening and how enlightenment used to be a privilege only to a certain few, the wealthy. And then in the more recent past, we saw more and more common people waking up, whether it came, whether they were waking up to economic injustice, racial injustice, or sexual or sex injustice, uh, the people, the commoners were starting to wake up. Now in the future, we see an awakening of the gods, like people who understand their place in the chaos and understand their place in the world. Some of us are able to realize and to see clearly that History is currently being rewritten. We're seeing people manipulating what information we're able to see and what information that uh, that we're going to be able to access in the future. Uh, because everything is going to be digitalized and on the internet, and because all of that is going to be controlled by a small few, the people in the future are going to be cut off from a lot of what's happening today. And that's why it's so difficult to look at the past and to read certain books and certain scripts and really take it at face value because we know it was written by men who wanted themselves to look good in the story. And so they wanted us today to look at their story and to look at them as great. And so they wrote history in such a way as to put themselves in such a positive light. And then we take that as facts. And so those who are aware are noticing now that that's actually happening today. Now you're able to see, you know what, this is why I don't believe everything that they say in, in these um, religious texts and these scrolls and you know from the past these ancient texts because we already know that it was men who wrote all that shit down they just wanted us to think of them as being so great and powerful you know and so i'm seeing that happening now in the present so that you know in the future certain entities we don't even humanoids you know they're not going to actually be humans like us but you know these entities are going to be taking the information that digitalized information and processing it thinking that these people who have clearly written this history or rewritten it you know um are the great ones and they're going to look to them 
as being gods. And that's why it's important, I feel like, for black women to, you know, uh, understand their God power, to realize their God power, and, and then to make that clear to the robots, you know, in the future. Because in the future, the robots are only going to be processing what's digitalized and whatever we feed it like I said is what they're going to believe and so do what do we want these robots to believe about us when they see us you know they're not going to have feelings towards us we always in our feelings all the time as black women and that's not what the future is going to hold the future is going to be a little bit more or a lot more logical okay so right now in the present I was saying that as far as this whole lock lockdown is concerned, like I was before I was so opposed to it. And, you know, I'm questioning what are these people doing? They can't do this to me. I'm rebelling and I'm driving into different cities just to prove I can do it. And then I had to stop and say to myself, you know, I don't have to be out there. I don't have to be uh, taking the metro, even, even though nice, it's real, it's nice now, it's really clean, and there's not a lot of people stuck on there, I remember when I was going to work in the morning, you know, I can't drive downtown, so it's just easier if you live in the metropolitan to take the metro, as much as I hate doing it, um, it's just easier than having to pay like $250 a month for parking downtown during the day, so I had to be on the metro, uh, especially in the winter, because I can't ride my bike in the winter, and it would be stuffed, like sardine can, like stuffed. You could hardly even breathe. I remember even before the whole pandemic thing happened, I was coming onto the metro with my scarf wrapped around my face and with my glasses on and my hoodie on, and my entire face was covered because I thought that people were just nasty. People have always been disgusting and nasty, okay? And people would look at me crazy. And now the whole thing's flipped and turned where I can actually walk out there and breathe with no mask. And it's all the nasty people covering themselves up. Okay. But I was finding just this past couple of weeks, I'm finding that I'm actually loving this lockdown thing. Lock those people up. Keep them off the street. Okay. And keep it clean so I can walk around freely and breathe. You know, there's not a whole bunch of people stuffing up the downtown streets. There's not a whole bunch of crowds. Um, a few years back, I think when I first moved to Montreal, I invited my sisters to come up here. And we took a stroll down the St. Laurent, Avenue St. Laurent, which is one of the longest streets in, in Montreal. And as we're walking down the street, we accidentally bump into the club zone because at this part at this time I wasn't familiar with um, Quebec I just know that in my neighborhood they had these little storefront you know these little shops and clothing stores and everything and so I, I thought it was cute but the further we walked down we ended up in the entertainment district and the entertainment district smells like vomit and sulfur and piss okay it's just and booze just as disgusting like it's just nasty okay and I remember I'm like let's get out of here we had to take a back alley flip around and go home because I was not expecting that but now that's been shut down like people can get the hell up off the street it's so much cleaner the skies are so much bluer the air is so much fresher I just feel like everything is so much cleaner now with this whole lockdown so I was so opposed to it before and I'm like what am I opposing here I love this 
And it's also a privilege really for me to be able to stay home and work. I don't have to go into the office because I'm set up at home to work from home. And it's a privilege to be able to say, you know, I'm not going to go in a line. I don't go into lineups. I order everything online. It gets delivered to me or I go out and somebody brings it to my car and I'm good. I don't need to sit around with nasty people in a nasty restaurant waiting in a line to get into a nasty club. Like I, I, I never did that before all of this happened. So I'm not really missing any of that. I never lived a crowd life. I wasn't the type of person who would go to crowded events and things like that. You know, if I'm going to a club, I'd rather pay for the VIP and, you know, be able to sit in a private spot with my people. You know, I don't like to dance in the crowd. Like I, I was never in a place where I was loving all that crowd business so that I'm missing it now. And the other day I'm driving on the highway and I'm realizing why are these people moving at like 80 kilometers a minute on a highway or whatever for, for on the highway, like it was moving really, really slow, you know, and I, it snapped it. I just, you had to remind myself that, well, everything is back now, you know, the world is back to what it used to be. Uh, So I'm getting a little glimpse of what, it was like before, you know, it's going to get locked down again. I really hope, fingers crossed, that it gets locked the fuck down because it, the highways were congested again. Like I had to be on it for like I had a financial transaction that I had to deal with. So I had to be there. But a lot of the people who were on the highway, the vast majority didn't need to be there because these are the people who were locked away. And when I was driving on the highway, the only people who were on the road were people who were essential. And so a lot of the people who are on the road now today are not essential. So they're just out there because the government said they can go now. Just like a bunch of babies who like get here the bell at recess time and now they're all running out to the playground at the same time. Like people are so gross. They're so disgusting. I really honestly, I feel like we're much better off when society's like, you know, distancing. So that's what I'm personally waking up to and becoming more aware of in the in the present. Like I'm aware that this is probably a good thing. Like when we see the AI or the cyborgs or, you know, artificial humanoids that are going to exist in, in the future, they're not going to want to be hanging out in the crowds. And so we have to clean up the world a little to make it or prepare it for these um future humanoids. I'm just going to call them humanoids. You know, this, this connection of, or this, these people who are going to be like half human, half technology, the humans are going to integrate with technology that is definitely coming. It's an absolute, it's just a matter of when or how fast these guys can go. Because like I said, they're going really slow. I think if we were not caught up in the past and we were not so stuck on the racial issues, we would be far more advanced. Um, technologically advanced. And so a lot of these things that we're seeing in the future, um, in the present are going to be still present in the future, or they're still going to be existing in the future. Things like, uh, the vaccines obviously are coming. Um, I'm not too worried about the vaccine. I'm not going to take the beta version of the vaccine, like this test version, you know, uh, I don't, it doesn't make sense for the test version or these basic um, first, what do you call it? The first generation of the vaccine for something like that to go into somebody like me. I, you know, I'm not going to do any of the first vaccine, the first rounds or whatever. 
because I want it to be tested properly. And um, a lot of people seem to be volunteering. A lot of people seem to be, you know, wanting the vaccine and they're fighting for the vaccine and they're calling people anti-vaxxers. You know, I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. My child is vaccinated. I've been vaccinated and I believe in vaccines. I just believe in good vaccines. I don't believe in this bullshit that they're trying to test. And so they're testing these new vaccines you know, with DNA proteins and whatever. And it's just, they're in the testing stage right now. So I'm, I'm not interested in, in putting a prototype into my body. When it's perfected and when it's upgraded, I want the upgraded, you know, state of the art 2.0 version of the vaccine. So when it's ready, you know, well into the future, like another 10 years, I'll, I'll be glad to take it or whatever. But for now, like um, the things like money, um, someone said, you know, I was saying that we're moving towards a cashless society and we are, but then every time I say it, you have, of course, the one little stuck in the past person who wants to point out, well, they still take cash where I am. They still, yes, they take cash. They're going to take back all the cash. They're still going to give out the cash because they know that society is not yet set up for, um, a cashless society. And then the people who are able to go online, they can see who's able to go online and to live in a cashless world and they can see who is not. Okay. So yes, a digital world is coming. It's just that in your ghetto ass city, it's not there yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> just, no, like a lot of the cities are not ready yet, which brings me to um, the global mayor's task force. It, my city, the, the mayor of Montreal is part of this task force that's made up of 11 different mayors. And I had to write this down here. So let me grab on to my notes. This uh, global mayor's task force is made up of uh, 11 mayors from around the world. And they were part of a group called the C40. I, I don't, I'm not sure if that's the name of the group, but their website is the C40.org. And they're they were more concerned about climate change before all of this um, COVID stuff happened. But then now they've gone to climate change to economic recovery. So if we look at these cities that are involved, and Milan is one of them, and Milan right now is said to be the epicenter of the uh, COVID pandemic in Italy. And Montreal is said to be the epicenter of the COVID pandemic in uh in quebec and in canada so we have milan italy freetown saint uh, sierra leone and sierra leone was the hardest hit african nation or the african nation most hardest hit by the ebola uh, epidemic or pandemic in 2014 to 2016 and a lot of people died in a lot in a in a very short time by the Ebola and the world in lockdown. I just want to remind you of that, just you know, for perspective. Also a part of this group is Hong Kong. And Hong Kong is known for to be the country with the richest people in the world live in this country, some of the richest people in the world. And now this was a former British colony, like uh, up until about 20 years ago. And now the Hong Kong or the Hong Kong citizens of Hong Kong have been so uh, have a, had adapted so much to the European Western way of life, to this British way of life, that they they loved British rule, and they loved it so much that now that they are part of China technically, 
you know, it, they were handed back to China. They're protesting the Chinese government. They don't want to have anything to do with the Chinese because they were so attached to their to their white zaddy. So they loved being under British rule. And now, you know, there's always the protest in Hong Kong because the Hong Kong don't want to be a part of China. They want to either be independent or whatever. They kind of have agents who, you know, doing all those protests anyway, protesting against the Chinese. Then we have Seattle. Um, and Seattle, as you know, was where in the United States, they started testing, did the first human testing of the vaccines. The, um, they have, they had something that Bill Gates was promoting called the Seattle, um, coronavirus assistant network, or uh, I, I don't remember what the A stands for, but it, the acronym is SCAN and they track the spread of the virus by handing out these homemade tests, whether people have, um, symptoms or not, they can do these tests at home and mail it in and then they track the people. So they were doing this scan thing where they were tracking people and then they were also doing the human testing of the, the vaccines. And then they also said in Seattle, as is in, in Montreal as well, they were coming, they were finding that, um, children were getting this inflammatory, um, skin disease or these rashes on their skin. And then they were calling it a symptom of the COVID and how COVID manifests in children. So this was happening in Montreal and coincidentally also in Seattle, they still haven't quite figured out what it is yet, or, you know, they haven't publicized what it is yet. We'll say that. Then we have Seoul, Korea. And as you know, Seoul, Korea, in Korea, they're very technologically advanced when it comes to tracking and tracing this vaccine or, or sorry, this virus. So they're doing digital tracking. Um, they're tracking people through their credit, credit cards and their phone. Uh, masks are mandatory here in, in Korea. And the Koreans are actually sending masks out to the U.S. And my guess is they're sending it out to the U.S. U.S. states that wear well, gosh, where masks are mandatory, more than likely, and in Korea they also check your temperatures before you go into a certain building or or whatever. So they're already technologically advanced when it comes to this thing. In Montreal, which is also part of this group of eleven, face masks are not mandatory, and um, but they're talking about or strongly, strongly recommending that people wear it. And, you know, they're handing it out in the more, um, let's say, the more colorful neighborhoods in Montreal. OK, they're in um, impoverished neighborhoods. So they're handing out masks so people can wear masks. So, you know, when I anyway, so in, uh, Montreal is also one of those cities who are moving to a more cashless society everything is digitalized you can't even get on the metro with cash anymore so you know that's the see and uh, montreal has always been technologically advanced and more advanced in ai technology um if you remember the the little video clip on youtube called ipet goat 2 that was actually created by a group um out here in montreal uh heliofant heliofant i think but it was a Montreal-based um, company that produced that little whatever movie thing. Anyway, the next group is, the next city is Lisbon, where face masks are mandatory there. 
then we have uh, Rotterdam, Netherlands, and masks are mandatory there. Um, Midland, I think in Smithen, Colombia, a city out in Colombia where they're testing out robot deliveries, where robots will deliver your your meal, um, your meals and purchases and things like that. And then in Colombia, Midland is actually having the best economic recovery in the country right now. Uh, they're recovering from the COVID. Um, Melbourne, Australia is also part of the group and they're doing immunity uh, tests and handing out immunity certificates. Now, we don't know exactly what that looks like. I, I think they're trying to say that if people have had the virus and they have antibodies and so they're immune and then they're going to give them these immunity certificates so they can, you know, they can go move around as they wish as long as they're willing to, you know, either donate or change their DNA. I don't even know what qualifies for an immunity certificate at this point, or if you can even be immune to the flu. So I guess it's really not the flu anymore, right? It's, it's not really a coronavirus. So the last city uh, is New Orleans, where face mask is also mandatory, and it's one of the cities that was hardest hit. Now, New Orleans, Melbourne, Medellin, Rotterdam, Lisbon, uh, Hong Kong, Milan, uh, Montreal, Korea, and Seattle make up the 11 uh, cities that make up part of this global mayor's task force. And the reason why I mentioned some of the things that they're doing now is because these are some of the things that we're going to be seeing in the future. Masks more than likely will remain when the cyborgs come in or the humanoids come in. It's going to be a way the social distancing thing and the masks will be a way to to mask that you know if you get too close to these things it, they might not be able to process you well enough okay and this is for the awakening in the future i'm just giving you a glimpse of what the world might look like you know in the future you might not be able to um, go up to someone if you go up to a hologram or you know we're going to have to move around holograms and so we're going to have to be able to keep a social distance you know a certain distance because they don't want people you know trying to put their hands through these light beings and whatever so it's just to get us to adapt to distancing ourselves so that when we do have to deal with these humanoids or cyborgs or uh, holographic beings or whatever that we're not going to be too close to see what's obvious and you know you're going to be able to cover up with the mask so they can hide certain things so you know we're moving towards a cashless society we're going to have like drones and robots delivering our food people are going to be more than likely working from home education is going to take place at home you're going to do your psychology your psychotherapy your psychiatry and all that private consultations and medical consultations is going to be done online and if you're having problems with your uh, relationship all of your sex and um, relationship stuff can be done online your consultations and then your religious stuff your church stuff can also happen online so this is um everything that we do now is going to be digitally accessible to governments, because once you put it on the internet, it's owned and controlled again by the U.S. government. And so this is a way for these people to have access to that information. Um, I'm just waiting to see where Canada goes with this. But of course, Canada is going to have to take steps unless they do the whole one world thing. You know, Canada is going to have to take steps to make sure that the information of its citizens and um, its 
yeah, that uh, that this information is secured and remains private, as private as it can be in a digital world. So COVID is absolutely necessary to usher in the AI era. There was no way that they were get they they would get access to the human body without some form of virus or disease. So you know when people want to get access to your computer to put a virus in it, they have to they ha actually have to access your computer. So you have to click on the link or you have to invite it in. And so we invited this, you know, by falling for the whole COVID thing. We have had diseases all throughout history. And um, this has never happened before, except exactly 100 years ago when it happened with another type of flu. And it happened just around the same time that they had the stock market crash when they had World War II. They did this whole thing already. You know, we're just literally repeating the past. Whenever they're ready to usher in a new change, they use a virus to do it. You have to use a virus to transport it or to get access to the human body. And so um, the biological catalyst was absolutely necessary and it was the reason that was used to get the government to get legal ask, access to our bodies because now they can just say, well, you have the COVID, you know, they can make it up if they want. You have the COVID and now we have to track and trace you. Okay. So let us go take another little pause here. I feel like this is going to be one of the longer podcasts. So we're going to take a little pause and then come back and talk about the future awakening. So this one might not be for everyone. It might be a little bit out there for you. And so thank you for watching thus far. And if you choose to return, we will be back in just a minute. Welcome back. So in the last segment, I was talking about the awakening of the gods, the present awakening, what we're seeing now. Um, and then in the segment just before that, we talked about the awakening of the common folk. And now we want to talk about the AI awakening, the future awakening, because there will come a time where we will have conscious robots or conscious humanoids okay um a lot of the people who right now are building these things we see a lot of movies where these robots get out of control and then you know the robots have a mind of its own even the, the little movie pinocchio where the the puppet becomes this human boy and that is inevitable it will happen maybe not long until long long into the future but we will see a future where the ai is able to uh, through machine learning it's going to be able to 
think for itself and to process information for itself and to make its own calculations and its own decisions and even have its own emotions. Because in the future, we, we see people or the Japanese and the people in Hong Kong and China trying to develop this technology, right? They want to develop these androids, but that's not really going to be the future. It's not that we're going to be trying to turn, make robots into people. It's the future is we're trying to make people into robots. Okay, so obviously we're going to integrate and then from there, then the robots will take on um, a mind of their, a life of their own or whatever. So I had this um, dream, a really crazy, weird dream a couple nights ago. And I don't remember anything else about the dream. The only thing I remember about the dream was that um, the there was some social uproar over the police who had forced two women to bend over and he took a picture of them from behind. So they had to bend over and grab their ankles. And, um, he took a picture of like their, their private area, their behind and their vaginal area. Okay. And then this picture got disseminated around the internet. And then as a protest, everybody was taking off their underwear and bending over to expose their behind and their private area, okay? Because this was a form of protest. And when I woke up, it was really funny because this is the way black women tend to protest. You know, something bad happens to us and then we go out there and we expose ourselves like idiots and, you know, just exactly the way they want us to. You know, in the dream, the officers took this picture, put it all over the internet. And then as a response to that, this is how people reacted by exposing themselves even more. And so I thought that was a funny little dream. And that's how people are today in the present. That's how we react to things um, using social media. We don't think of it um, in the sense that we can control what happens on social media. We shouldn't be reacting to what's happening on social media. You should be doing something as a way to manipulate and control it. I know, I, I you know, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say I know for a fact, but I will say that I know that I have some influence over the influencers. I've seen people and um, celebrities do things that I've mentioned and then they'll they'll do it okay and i'm not going to give an example because people are just going to debunk it you know i move in silence i see people doing uh being influenced by me and i love to move in silence i've already said that i i do better work when i work in the dark and so i like to be the person who influences the influencer rather than being this person that who's who's always seen and so I thought I thought that it's interesting that a lot of black women don't realize that the internet was always controlled by black behavior or the um, the black user, and how black people move on the internet actually drove the internet, and they were able to influence the internet. Black people have always been the influencers who were supposed to influence the influencers, but the black people, like I talked about in the I Black Woman 
series have become the bots and now they're easily controlled by the internet. So black people had the upper hand at one point where they were the users on the internet, but now they've turned themselves into a human experiment where people are just looking at them and force, uh, controlling them and telling them to do certain things. They'll put out a video and, you know, they'll believe everything they see in the video and they're using these social media clips and these psyops online. They're using these online psyops to get to black people and it's an easy way to control black people because blacks forgot that, or just didn't know that they were actually um, the influencers all along, you know? So I'm listening to this uh, Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan experience, where Elon Musk came back as a guest again. And this one was a little bit more interesting because he didn't smoke weed, because uh, for whatever reason, like when he smokes weed, he just numb, like he gets actually stoned and I'm looking at the video and I've seen both the interviews and I'm like, I don't think Elon Musk is as genius as people think he is. I understand that a lot of geniuses don't talk a lot. And so I would give him the benefit of the doubt. And I would say that, okay, he's just one of those people who just, they think a lot, they don't talk a lot. But then he talks, and when he talks, he says things to make himself sound smart, but he doesn't sound smart. When I was listening to Joe Rogan and his responses and questions, it seems Joe Rogan was actually more enlightened and a lot more genius than Elon Musk, to be honest, okay? But the the interview was interesting because um, they at one point they were talking about Elon Musk's Neuralink, which is supposed to be this device that links to the human brain. And then Joe Rogan said, you know, it must be an advantage for the people who get it first because they have the first um, access to it. So they're at a better advantage. You know, if they if certain people become cyborgs before the poor, then like, let's say, for example, I'm rich enough that I can get this Neuralink device. And so I'm able to do things that certain people can't do. Um, you know, I've been watching a lot of movies, like we always have movie nights on the weekend. So the, the other night, like a few, few nights ago, we watched um, uh, Fast and the Furious, some, something in Hobbs. I don't remember the name of the, the movie, but it was interesting because they were talking about a virus and whatever. And the Idris Alba character, funny enough, he was in it. You know, the first black man to get the coronavirus in the Western world. He he happened to be in the movie and he happened to play this like humanoid cyborg type uh, entity. And, uh, you know, this entity was able to like read people's body temperature and the speed of their movement and all these things, you know, things that the humanoids are going to be able to do in the future. And so this is where the future of humanity is going. So they talk about it and I don't even remember what Elon Musk response was but it wasn't like remarkable you know or otherwise i would have remembered it but that's why i said that you know i don't want the prototype i don't think it's much of an advantage because the people who get it now are going to have to remove the implant and get the update or is going to constantly have to update you know i i know that they're making phones now where you can't take out the battery and you can't turn it on or off or whatever so you know the phone can be controlled remotely so there may be a way to like adjust or update the technology without having to remove it or whatever but it, the the point is is that it's going to have to be updated it, it maybe the device itself is going to be updated and 
so the people who get it first are going to have to remove it. It's just like when certain people get a breast implant. And if you have a certain women will get a breast implant, okay? And you can have the exact same implant, the exact same quality of saline or silicone or whatever, the exact same doctor who does the exact same procedure. And you'll look at one woman and the implant will be like perfect. You can't see the bags or anything. And it just feels natural when to touch, you know, even as a woman, it feels natural to me. It looks natural. It bounces naturally and it doesn't like separate itself from her chest and everything. And she'll have a perfect boob job. And then that exact same doctor can use the exact same technology, exact same um, boobs, put in another woman and it'll just look bad. You know, like your skin sagging every time she moves, it looks like this thing is going to fall out and it just doesn't look good on her. And the point I'm trying to make is that it's not a one size fits all or this type of technology or Neuralink can't be a one size fits all. Like the type of technology that I want to put into my brain is going to have to be a little bit more advanced than the type of technology that they would put into the mind of somebody like you fill in the blanks, okay? Like I'm not going to want to use the same device that that person is using. There are some people in the world right now who still use their flip phones, you know, and some people who are using the latest version of the iPhone or even iPhone prototypes, newer, newer versions that aren't even on the market yet. You know, so is it a one size fits all technology? Well, this is the way these men are approaching it. And you can tell that it's mostly men who are trying to control this thing because they're not thinking of the actual natural way that humans adapt and that humans behave. Even down to the fact that I can't even like go out and just grab my son a pair of shoes. You know, babies grow in three months, your baby can go from newborn to, to walking. <laughs> you know, not, like it's not that like dramatic, but you know what I mean? Like a little baby can go from being a little newborn to being, you know, needing a whole new wardrobe in three months. And they have this thing closed down for three months, not thinking that people need to go get shit done. Like, of course, it's a male mentality controlling this thing. And that's the main problem with it. But anyway, so they want to create this, you know, one size fits all type of technology. And I feel like it's more for um, adapting AI to the human is a better idea than to try to have humans having to adapt to the AI. Okay. Like I get it. We're in the testing stages and whatever. And people who are out there, woke, walking dead, you know, living completely blissfully ignorant, you know, maybe for some, it's the better place to be right now. But the people who are like completely like all up in the dopamine entertainment, who are all about the race thing and who don't see these things coming, maybe they're the better test subjects, you know, and I don't really have a problem with it anymore. I cannot fault the people who are dominating on the world stage right now because they're the only ones thinking forward. They're the only ones trying to make the moves and make the changes in order to create a different reality. Everybody else is just reacting. So do I really feel sorry for all these test subjects? Not really. You can't really feel sorry for them anymore. So just um, for the future, we're going to see, like I said, a lot of the things that we're doing now with the mask and the social distancing is going to prepare us for 
more of a holographic future where, you know, you, you're going to go to a, a baseball game. You, you know, they've already opened up a lot of the golf courses. You know, a lot of these private cigar clubs and a lot of private clubs did not close down, just FYI. But uh, w they've made it public now that a lot of the golf courses, tennis clubs, things like that, you know, these men are able to go out there and play their individual sport. But the poor man's sports, you know, the crowd sports, which uh, being in a crowd is for poor people. So these crowd sports now, um, they're, they're going to be more holographic. So they're going to look for ways where you can join in like through your zoom or whatever you're going to use and your virtual reality glasses. And you can put that on. And when you put the goggles on, you're going to find yourself in a crowd of people. Right. And then, um, but you're really sitting in the comfort of your own home or whatever. So it'll, it'll kind of be like that, like a holographic world where it's just going to be a few people here and there uh, out in the real world, out in the real fresh air or whatever. And so, uh, you know, I could go on and on and on, like uh, talk, uh, talking about like the possibilities for the future or whatever. If these guys can hurry the hell up, you know, and stop being stuck on this whole, these basic race and money and sex issues, if we can get beyond that already. We can be so much more technologically advanced, but we're here messing around. But anyway, it'll, it'll be more like that. And so we've kind of now we're kind of having to adapt ourselves as people, as real humans, to make way for the humanoids in the future. You know what? The, just even talking about this is giving me a great idea for like a sci-fi book. I, don't, I shouldn't even be sharing my thoughts with people because they're more likely to go back and repeat something they saw in a sci-fi movie than to really listen to someone who's actually like seeing these things and aware that this is the possibility for the future like people are just gone so i'm gonna go <laughs> on that note uh thank you for watching again uh this video will be up for nine days only and then it will be removed or unlisted you can find it if you already have the link or you can find me on femalesex.blogspot.com and you can find me around the internet. Look around. I should probably be there <laughs> or my traces of me should be there. In the meantime, take care of yourself. Be good to yourself and um, be good to you and yours always. Bye for now. Ask me question, I tell you no lie. Ask me no question, I play music. <laughs>